All right. So all the furniture is set up in the nursery. Yes. And we've got diapers and wipes and lotion. So much lotion. Yeah, correct. Uh, the clothes are all in the dresser and hung up in the closet. Yeah, that's, that's true. And hospital bag is packed and ready to go. Yeah, but, you know, we still have one other thing to do. Oh, what's that? Talk about comics. <laughs> yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome to episode 12 of season 2 of Chris's on Infinite Earths, covering Crisis on Infinite Earths. We'll be covering issue 12 of Crisis on Infinite Earths. So if you haven't listened to our previous 11 episodes or read the previous 11 issues of Crisis on Infinite Earths, you might want to do that before you listen to us. Yeah. Christy, we made it. We made it. We're recording. We'll see if it gets edited before this baby comes. Yeah, our due date is in six days, so... Six days. Six days. Doctor doesn't think I'm going to make it that long, but we'll see. He seems pretty happy where he's at. Yeah, that's true. I guess we should probably get into this summary. This is an extra long issue. Extra, extra. Read all about it. (laughs) Summary. Summary. Forgotten heroes, Rip Hunter and crew, are quickly startled by Brainiac reawakening before quickly agreeing to help them defeat the Anti-Monitor. Back on the planet, the only light provided by the Anti-Monitor's swirling pink antimatter is extinguished. After, of course, a hefty course of evil monologue. Harbinger appears to grab the Supermen, as well as Dr. Light, for a mission to defeat the Anti-Monitor for good. Then suddenly, the pink light comes back. It turns out the darkness was thousands and thousands of shadow demons. The heroes across the world band together to defend the Earth, but not without taking some hefty casualties. The magical heroes of DC attempt to bring forth the energies of the still-passed-out Spectre to hold the demons at bay. Harbinger gives a quick pep talk to the small band of heroes she has gathered, the ones not defending the planet, that is, and Alexander Luther uses his antimatter powers to once again blast a path to the anti-monitor. Brainiac and crew have reached the source of help. Darkseid? That's right. The tyrannical leader of Apocalypse is here to help. Meanwhile, the magical heroes finally finish their task, making a huge cage that gathers up every last shadow demon and pitches them into space. The gang of Harbinger's heroes make it to Quard, where they find a pretty hysterical psycho pirate screaming at the empty uniform of the Flash. Kid Flash and the rest have no time to mourn before the Anti-Monitor attacks. The heroes combat the Anti-Monitor, mostly as a distraction, while Alexander Luther absorbs his antimatter power and Dr. Light absorbs a sun that is powering the evil one. She shoots the energy back at the Anti-Monitor, which defeats him? Well, unfortunately, we enter phase two of the boss fight, as the Anti-Monitor absorbs the caged shadow demons which power him up. 
most of the heroes rush back through a portal into the positive matter universe. However, Superman of Earth 2, Alexander Luther, and Superboy Prime opt to stay to fight the Anti-Monitor, whose shadow demons have been poisoned by the magic users, leaving the villain in a weakened state. The Supermen bombard the Anti-Monitor with blow after blow, but he is still strong enough to beat them. Finally, we see our trump card. Darkseid is working through Alexander Luther and unleashes a huge blast of energy through the young man's eyes. A final punch from Earth 2 Superman seals the deal. The Anti-Monitor is defeated. However, our three heroes are still trapped, with the Anti-Monitor's explosive defeat poised to destroy them. However, Alexander Luther reveals that his body is a portal to a place outside of time and space a place that he's been keeping Superman's wife, Earth 2 Lois Lane. The four heroes decide together to go off into that good place. Meanwhile, on the new Earth, life is adjusting to all of the new changes in continuity, as Pariah, Lady Quark, and Harbinger decide to explore their new world together. Wally West is cured of his speed sickness and decides to take up the mantle of the Flash. And in a padded cell in Arkham Asylum, Psycho Pirate remembers everything. So, Chris, what did you think of this issue? It was definitely an explosive finale. Some people got to do some really cool things. And it kind of did what really this entire crossover set out to do, which was rectify some weirdness of continuity and, and make DC Comics a little bit simpler. Mm-hmm. So do you want to start off with the cover? Yeah, the cover is another one of these George Perez, everybody's in it sorts of covers, where the Anti-Monitor looks like he's standing in the middle of a city and all of the heroes are kind of fighting him. Mm-hmm. It looks like we have even more heroes fighting the Anti-Monitor than we actually see fight the Anti-Monitor in this issue. So a little bit of a little bit of a false portrayal false hope here that it's definitely one of those comic book covers where what happens on the cover doesn't necessarily happen in the issue yeah um he's got some people grabbed between his fingers and that's kind of fun yeah it's definitely some fun art but not quite as indicative of what's about to happen in the comic as some of the other covers we've seen right so as we turn the page we find the forgotten heroes which is um rip hunter's group of Heroes like Dolphin and Animal Man and Captain Comet and Adam Strange, who, as we left them, were aboard Brainiac's ship. Mm-hmm. They are six space-bound Earthmen investigating the incredible living starship of the mechanical menace known as Brainiac. Yeah, and they all have very surprised looks on their faces, which would make you think that they've seen something super shocking. But it's actually just kind of the revelation that the ship is made of living metal, as they say. Right. As I've said before, Brainiac doesn't die. Nope. No. So this is kind of what they're discovering here. If the ship's alive, then of course Brainiac's still got to be there somewhere. Right. They figure that even though he is in stasis, as long as his ship is functioning, he is still functioning. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So as they're realizing this, who wakes up but none other than Brainiac? I was, I was going to try for a bit there. Man, it just didn't It just didn't take off in my head. <laughs> yep, Brainiac wakes up. And he seems not very friendly at first, but he takes a little bit of time to tap into his, what is he, his data, his ship's data, I guess, and to... Yeah, he finds out that his programming somehow has been altered so that he doesn't have like a memory of something, mm-hmm. but also that they are not lying because he can kind of 
detect their bio signs. Brainiac's just super smart. So once he downloads this data several minutes later, you can see that this was clearly written in the 80s because if this was written now, it would not take any time at all to download or sync up data or anything. Brainiac ran on a 56K modem in the 80s, which then was state of the art. They didn't even have 56K modems. That would have been something from the future. He says that he doesn't have the power that they need to take on the anti-monitor and he needs to seek power elsewhere and so his ship just kind of blasts off with them aboard to find somebody else mm-hmm. i love that they he he says i'm assuming that's him maybe it's somebody else it says captain warp factor six it sounds Wait, like something you think that that's what brainiac said who said that animal man says it oh well you can't tell it's a little speech bubble that goes to brainiac's ship True, but his speech bubbles are outlined in pink. Oh, yeah. now I know who says it. But I love that it was said because it just feels very Star Trekky. Yeah, Animal Man's kind of a goof, so that's that's why I assume it's him. Okay, and because he was talking right before it. it the no, that makes the ship. much more sense than Brainiac. Than Brainiac just suddenly being like Captain Warp Factor Six. He's like, who's this captain? <laughs> He's the captain. He talks to himself that way. <laughs> So on our next page, we come to the Earth, which is in a swirling pink maelstrom of the antimatter energy, as we see the antimonitor sort of outlined in red. Yeah, the red outline of the antimonitor, I think, creeps me out more than the antimonitor, like when we see him in the flesh. Yeah, he looks really weird. Um, and we, we kind of see uh, both both Kal-El's, both Supermen, looking at him from atop a building as we get the name of this issue. That's the name of this issue. You know, comic books have names, not titles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the title of this issue, which is called Final Crisis, which is also the name of another crossover. <laughs> hey, but that one hadn't been written yet. No, definitely not. So. So the reason why Earth is not being destroyed by these antimatter energies is it is in an impenetrable force field that seems to have been put there by the anti-monitor not to keep him out but to keep the earth's heroes trapped within seems a little hand wavy but whatever sure we get the anti-monitor's big line though of welcome to the antimatter universe welcome to your doom which i'm fairly certain he said at the end of last issue Right. It sounds like something that should be like at the beginning of a song or something. And like we get like this guitar coming in behind. Welcome to the antimatter universe. Welcome to your doom. Like that. I love it. It would have a great music video. Be some like real heavy metal stuff. Very trippy. All right. Are you are you guys ready for monologuing? <laughs> So much just evil monologuing. Yes. Well, in this page, he's just saying, like, he's kind of just taunting them. Like, you're going to die. Everybody else who's going to stop me is going to die. You know what? You got, you you did pretty good, and your will to live is 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 impressive, but you're all still going to die. Mm-hmm. And I killed Supergirl, and I killed the Flash. And then Wally West is like, wait, what? <laughs> what? what, what, what? Poor Wally West. Here, the Flash died from the anti-monitor. Um, I like the art on this page, though, because it's a 12-panel grid, 4 by 3 And the middle... So the outer panels are kind of superheroes reacting mm-hmm. to the anti-monitor's monologue, which honestly, it's... I don't even... Like, we could go through the monologue, but it's not particularly worth it. But the middle six are the outline of the anti-monitor seen from different places in the world. And basically saying like his outline is so huge that like, regardless of where you are, you see him. Yeah. It's, 
I don't think I really fully appreciated that, that the first time I looked at it. I think it was just like, okay, boring monologue. But the art is pretty cool. It is. And it, it messes with the panel structure in a cool way. So he kind of ends it by saying that it's the death knell of the humans and it's the last thing they're going to hear as he sort of like seems to leave with his pink swirling antimatter or it seems it seems to kind of disappear or get blacked yeah, out. Yeah, like it it swirls out like almost like if you think of water going down the drain of a tub. Yeah, or a toilet. He's well, going down the toilet cuz he's a toilet man. Okay, you know, I figured a bathtub was a little less gross, but sure. A toilet. Except toilet is getting refilled as it flushes. So it's not as good as my bathtub metaphor. Mm, that's true. Haha. So the entire world is now bathed in darkness. And the Superman can kind of see through it by using their telescopic vision. But they can just kind of hear with their super hearing that everybody is terrified. Yeah, they're like, gosh, it's such a curse to have super hearing because you just hear everybody panicking and screaming and... I like to think there's somebody who doesn't realize the crisis is going on somehow. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to have to turn my lamp on. <laughs> I don't know how it's not incredibly cold on the planet right now, since it's in the antimatter universe and not near a sun. Yeah. Eh, comics. Mm-hmm. How many times do we say that? Like, in an episode? Eh, comics. Uh kind of it's like a catchphrase of of podcasts where people talk about comics. <laughs> um so the superman are like well we got to figure out something and then they're shocked to see harbinger yeah not lila specifically harbinger mhm mm-hmm. who they're like oh my god are you going to explain more stuff to us and she's like no actually it's time to attack and they're like oh great finally i've been wanting to do this the whole time i'm right. so glad you're not here to talk so uh, Earth-1 Superman says the Anti-Monitor will meet his end. And Harbinger says, then both of you take my hand. His journey to hell begins. Mm-hmm. Also a lyric from our from our Final Crisis metal song. Oh, it'd be so great if somebody made that song. And we, we do not have the skills. We do not. We're not musically inclined enough. No. You could certainly do the singing. <laughs> well, thank you. You're very sweet. So we catch another iteration of the Harbinger, the, the of Harbinger going to Japan. Yeah, to see Dr. Light, who seems like uh, she's she's a little bit down on herself. Yeah. Like one of the last times we saw her, she was super inspired by Supergirl to just be better and be a better hero because Supergirl's sacrifice. But she seems to be taking her death pretty hard and feeling like, gosh, it's all my fault because I distracted her. Yeah, which is a bit of a bummer. Oh, and she's also hanging out with another Japanese superhero named Sunburst. So we have a Dr. Light and a Sunburst. They're definitely like, like DC is like, okay, Japan's flag has a rising sun. <laughs> Let's go nuts. Um, they, we're stereotyping them all as sun heroes, which that is not just specific to DC. There is like a very, like the, the main X-Men I can think of from Japan is named Sunfire. Mm. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> The, I mean, I guess there's there's worse things to be identified with. It's just like, it's so trite. It's like, okay. Well, yeah, what do we have? Red Star from uh, Russia. Yeah, and he wears green. That's a that's a, that's a real weird one to me. <laughs> well, but of course, you know, Russian red. Right. Yeah, red, red Star. Sure, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, Harbinger is going to snag her. 
And she reassures Dr. Like, no, it wasn't just that. Like, Supergirl was pretty much already dead by that point anyway, so... Right. And it turns out that Sunburst is there because Dr. Like called him to reassure her, to sort of, like, give her a pep talk. But he's basically like, no, you go. Like, I was once, like, the way that you that you used to feel, but I changed. You'll change, too. I'll protect Japan. You go with Harbinger. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Light goes with Harbinger. But then we have the discovery that it's not darkness. It's not the absence of the swirling pink miasma that has caused this darkness. It is, in fact, a sky. Right. So thick with the shadow creatures that no light could come through. Yeah, the anti-monitor is basically Xerxes from 300, and his shadow demons will blot out the sun. So the heroes are prepared to fight in the shade. (laughs) (laughs) So you get this really cool panel of all of these uh, shadow demons kind of bursting forth, and then we see the, the pink background behind them as they invade the earth. Right, and they start super murdering people. There's some kind of gruesome panels of, like, a woman getting kind of ripped in half by a shadow demon. Yeah. You know, it's it's shocking to me how in, like, this time of, like, peril and everything, there's so many people, like, out on city streets. My first instinct, if some sort of crisis was going on, would be probably, like, be in my home. Oh, there's so many gawkers. You know, you got to look at the weird sky. I guess that's true. Right. So then we kind of get like a page of a knockdown, drag out brawl of various heroes fighting all these shadow demons across the earth. Mm -hmm. It's actually like several pages of this. Oh, yeah. Just you get to see all sorts of heroes doing some good stuff. And it looks at first like things are going decently well for them or at least that they're all putting up a good fight and doing some good things right and it even it kind of does like a like a kumbaya sort of deal like politics don't mean anything all everybody bands together across the globe and yes the other the, japan has yet another hero called the just called the rising sun <laughs> right so they've got the sun sunburst, sunburst and- the rising sun and dr light now granted dr light was originally i'm fairly certain an american dude who is a super villain and right. then she became dr light right uh, but sunburst and the rising sun like do better dc mm-hmm. uh you you like maybe you get like one tops <laughs> Yeah, and then we've got Jack Jack o' Lantern and Godiva in the UK. Yeah, <laughs> we're running into Godiva. Mm-hmm. She seems to have cool hair powers, though. Well, right, because she's like Lady Godiva. Yeah, did Lady Godiva have hair? She had very long hair and rode naked through the streets. I just I knew the second part. I didn't know she had very long hair. Oh, I just know she was always depicted as that because she was like covered by her hair. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And then in Vietnam, we've got Brothers Thunder and Lightning. Mm-hmm. They have Thunder Lord from Taiwan with them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so just kind of a whole, these are all the heroes that are in different parts of the world, and we're really going to highlight how we're all coming together to fight this one terrible, awful evil, and getting lots of lots of heroes some time. Right. Then we see some of the mystical heroes. Yeah, we see Phantom Stranger and then a hero we haven't seen yet whose name is Dr. Mist. 
It seems like to be a mystical hero in D.C., you have to have your doctorate. Yep. So go to college, take on lots of loans, and hopefully your children won't inherit them when you you die. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you won't die. You're immortal now. Oh, good point. Yeah. They'll be with you forever. (laughs) I did not do six years in mystical college for you to call me (laughs) Mr. Fate. So they're using, I'm sorry, Phantom Stranger and Dr. Mist are using their powers to basically kind of steal the Spectre's energy, kind of more like a like a benevolent borrow, because the Spectre's all passed out. He's taken a nap. Right. And the Spectre borrowed all of their energy, you know, in the last issue. Right. So they, they, cause they need all of his powers. So they're, they're kind of taking it and below them harbingers kind of got the, got the group together. They're, they're having their mm-hmm. McLaughlin to have them a discussion. Right. So even though she said we are going to go act and we're not going to talk, they're talking. Oh, there's going to be some talking. <laughs> Harbinger has prepared a PowerPoint <laughs> where he says, well, it's not well, so he much. Says, she says, my apologies. It is kind of like a pep talk more than anything. Mm-hmm. It seems like, you know, the she's like, the monitors observed you all and thought you were all great and necessary for this big battle. And we have to band together and do this. Right. And that Alexander Luther, again, is going to use his antimatter energy to shoot a hole into the, well, into the antimatter. It's, it's basically like he'll shoot a hole that will get bring them to Quard, because they're already in the antimatter universe. Yeah. 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 But, and they have to get through the shield thing that the antimonitor has put in place. That's true. Okay. That, yeah. You got me there. That's mm-hmm. totally true. And this is also where they explain that the the sorcerers are gonna are gonna be the ones who stop the demons. So right. don't worry about the earth. Just go beat the anti monitor. Mm-hmm. So Alexander Luther gets all weird and starry again. Yep. Uh, Shoots some blue energy, and well, this is the kind of important bit here is that something really quickly rushes toward the light bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead man notices it and is like, "Oh God, I hope it's not one of the monitor's demons." Because if he gets through and warns the anti-monitor, none of them are going to make it out alive. But we're going to discover who that is in a few panels. Okay, yeah, a few pages. So uh, on the next page, we have Brainiac Ship, who has finally met with the person they were going to meet with. It is, in fact, the evil Lord of Apocalypse, Darkseid, who is. <laughs> Uh, so dark. So they meet they with They get to apocalypse side. and it it stinks. Does it stink? Do they say it stinks? Stink. The world stinks of decay. Yes, that's yeah. Because that, apocalypse is kind of awful. Yeah. So they meet with Darkseid, and then he just kind of introduces himself and leaves us on a what they're going to work with Darkseid before we kind of quickly go back to Earth, where it's time for some fatalities. Yep, it's like a it's a. I don't want to say massacre because I feel like that might belittle like the terribleness of of massacres because it's not huge mass casualties, but there's going to be quite a few. Yeah. And we'll kind of just run down those. We're getting this in the form of a news broadcast between Lana Lang, who is like a news desk reporter. Or I'm sorry, that's not a reporter who's sitting at the news desk. She's an anchor. She's an anchor. Thank you. And Lois Lane, who is reporting on the scene. So we have Hawk and Dove trying to save some people from a building that they're tra- that they're trapped in as the shadow demons mm-hmm. attack. Yeah, Dove 
insists on going back to save one last kid, even though it's not very safe. And in the act, it's killed by a shadow demon. Yeah, it seems like if the shadow demons, like, touch you, you're just, like, ripped apart. Well, yeah, it looks like... Like, the energy of the shadow demon kind of just goes through you. and Yeah, I guess it's because they're antimatter and people are matter. Yep. yep. And all of that is captured on live TV. Yeah. Uh, kids don't watch. And we get a little flash into the mystical superheroes to see... Their cool magical power stuff happening around that little red and black circle thing that we described before. That's, that's Dr. Occult's little occult symbol. Yeah. And it's sitting above the lantern of Green Lantern. Now, specifically Alan Scott as Green Lantern, whose Green Lantern is magical, rather than the Green Lanterns from the Green Lantern Corps, whose Green Lanterns are, are like, I don't know, space-based. <laughs> I think they're, quote, science. They're not magic. Right. So we've got all of the DC sorcerers doing a little ritual as Green Lantern and Dr. Occult just kind of stand over their weird little symbols. There's going to be a lot of zipping back and forth kind of for the rest of this issue. Mm -hmm. So they're charging some green energy, which makes sense since it's a Green Lantern. Right. So the other heroes who went with Harbinger um, have arrived on Quard. Mm-hmm. There's a decent amount of them here, mm-hmm. so but n- still nowhere near as many as was, were on the cover. Right. We've got, like, the Superman, all three of them, Power Girl, Wonder Woman, both Wonder Woman. Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Lady Quark. Lady Quark. Negative Woman. Cap- um, Firestorm. Captain Marvel. Yep. And I believe that's Captain Adam. Yeah, Captain Adam. And then last but not least, we have Jade, who kind of looks like She-Hulk. She has green hair and green skin. Completely different powers, though. (laughs) And then, of course, we still have Harbinger, who they're like, hey, Harbinger, where's all the evil? And he's like, it's everywhere, dude. Pariah? Pariah? My goodness. I mix up Harbinger and Pariah so much, even though they're very different. You know, they're the two new characters in this crossover that we've been talking about for, like, eight months. Like like half a year or more. Yes. Sorry. Pariah. Uh, He doesn't know where it is. Well, and it seems like one other person has come through with them. The little, the flash into, well, the flash. Yeah. It's the flash. (laughs) Specifically Kid Flash. Who came through with them sort of without their knowledge. Right. Because the Anti-Monitor said he killed Barry Allen. And Wally is like, hey, I'm got to investigate this. I got to be a part of this. Right. And he sees kind of a quick flash of the flash and a quick image of him kind of looking terrified, like right before or mm-hmm. as he did right before he died. And they start to really quickly follow it. The flash appears much in the same way that he has in previous issues where he we've seen him, except in much less of a state of decay. Right. We've seen him before. Like He's a lot of like times a before full we human body. Yeah. Um, so they follow it to Psycho Pirate, who is tugging at the empty suit of the Flash. Yep. So Psycho Pirate has lost it. His suit's falling apart. He is he is terrified that he is going to die here. He's like, no, Flash was supposed to help me. And Wally just gets really mad and socks Psycho Pirate in the face. Right. To tell him to leave that universe or universe, leave that. He tells him to leave that uniform alone and that he does not does not deserve to touch it. And everybody else is like, well, lay off him, man. He's 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 been driven crazy. Yeah. 
And Lady Cork uh, finds Barry Allen's flash ring that normally stores his costume. Right. And gives it to Wally. And Wally is, is pretty... Pretty sad to see the Flash go and is kind of coming to realizations about it. Mm-hmm. So then we get Pariah who quickly says, oh, now I can sense more evil. It's mm-hmm. this way. Overwhelming of concentration of evil this way. Yeah, def- like a five molar or more concentration of evil. It's like one of those, it's so concentrated that in the, if it's in solution and you tap it, it'll just all fall out of solution to the bottom of the tube. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Just like that. Science thing. So then we get this big one-page spread um, of the anti-monitor who says, You whimpering fool, it is already too late. From the moment you set foot on Quard, you sealed your own fates. This is the day the universe dies. Well, as long as it's not the day the music dies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll always have Don McLeon's hit, even if the Earth is destroyed and consumed by anti-monitor. Anti-matter. Oh, I'm having trouble talking today. Yeah, it is a very cool panel there. I still think he's scarier as a creepy red outline in the sky. Yep. It, this one looked cool. Definitely cool. All right, so then we get a quick little interlude in Atlantis. Right, where the Mer people are specifically Aqualad, Mera, who's Aquaman's wife, and Lori Lamaris are fighting... Shadow demons. Now, Lori Lamaris is kind of interesting because she is a mermaid who was once kind of a girlfriend of Superman's, which is kind of fantastic. Yeah, sure. In love with a mermaid? That's That sounds like a really original storyline to go with. Right. And uh, I love Lori Lamaris because it's just she's... Superman being in love with a mermaid is great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Mira seems like shocked to see her there, and uh, Lori the Lori the like has like a gun that somehow fires underwater. Yeah, don't know how that works. And mm-hmm. not not like a not like a bullet gun. Seems like some kind of pew pew laser gun. Now, can we talk about Mira's fantastic wardrobing here? It looks like she has a pantsuit of gills. Yeah, she's a she's. She's a business mermaid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No no, no mermaid tail for her. She needs the functioning of, of both legs. Right. None of this, none of this one tail business. She's, she's, she's a modern woman. She's a modern merwoman. <laughs> but unfortunately, she witnesses Lori bite it. Right. It's, yeah, bye-bye Lori Lamaris. She is an unfortunate consequence of them trying to make comics simpler. So then we go to a double page spread that is just oh, so many heroes not not having a great time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Green Arrow. Di- Earth 2 Green Arrow. Earth 2 Green Arrow. Dies. Dying. Like, quick. Bam. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, it looks like a building has collapsed on Huntress. Uh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the midst of all this, uh, in the middle of this page, we s- get some of the... What's going on with the mystical heroes uh, and their focus in on the Green Lantern and the little occult symbol. The Dr. Occult symbol. And they're, they're sweating. They're sweating a lot. Yes. They're, they're, they're working very hard. In their minds. Mm-hmm. Prince Raman, Raman, mm-hmm. um, a, a character that I've honestly not heard of and 
you know, given the fact that the only time we really saw him was him dying, was to just did not feel worth. Yes, looking. he gets um, he gets unfortunately killed by a shadow demon. Mm-hmm. And Clayface and Bandit. Right, where Clayface is actually usually a villain. As far as I know, Bandit is too. That is the bug-eyed Bandit. That is literally the bug-eyed Bandit's name. Apparently, <laughs> Marv Wolfman killed off the wanted to kill off the bug-eyed Bandit. Uh, it was either what Marv Wolfman or George Perez, the you know the author and artist of this issue, because they just thought they that he was so ridiculous. They just did not want him to be in comics anymore. Mm-hmm. So the last deaths on this page are they kind of look confusing, but it's Cole who attempts to set up a crystal barrier. However, the shadow demons push through this barrier and kill her as well as Earth 2 Robin, who's trying to help Huntress, and then also the Huntress. Yes. Uh, and Mar- Mary Marvel is there and kind of laments their their deaths. They, I mean, they had to, like, they had to clear out Robin because there's, right. they don't need an adult Robin and also a kid Robin. Yeah. It's rough, though, because, like, imagine, like, liking some of these characters. You're like, oh, crap, they got killed in one panel. Right. Right. I mean, to be honest, probably most of the people who were reading Crisis in the 80s didn't grow up on Golden Age comics. So then on the, the next page, we finally get the fruition of the Sorcerer's Plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, all this green energy that they have been summoning, uh, they say it slithers outward into the dark toward the Anti-Monitor's demons. Right. And it cuts through the shadow demons like finely edged razors. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of grabs them like in like a little net and just flings every single shadow demon off of the planet. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all gone. Right. But their deeds have not been undone. Yes, we still we see one more casualty. It looks like Sunburst has also fallen as Rising Sun is sort of standing over his his body. Mm-hmm. So now we are back. I, I know we keep skipping over these deaths, but honestly, like they're they're done very quickly. They don't really give right. us any time. Right. It's not like the buildup we had with Supergirl or Flash or anything like that. Right. Just, just gone, gone. It happens gone. in a panel, and some of the panels are even just like, like so minuscule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The heroes are now trying to fight the Anti Monitor, at least the ones that were brought to him. And they're not really making a lot of dents in his armor or anything, but that was kind of not the deal. They were just trying to distract him. While Harbinger points out to Dr. Light, here's this black sun. It is literally a sun that is black. Uh, Not a black hole sun, mind you. Mm -hmm. It will not come and wash away the rain. Uh, Just a black sun. And Harbinger's like, I need you to eat the sun. Mm -hmm. They call it a binary star. Which... I don't... The binary star means there's two of them. Uh, comics? Comics, I guess. This is we're between a binary star. That's, that's not the phrasing you would use, but that's fine. <laughs> um, feel free to correct me if you want listeners, but... Or readers, but it's... That's just... Uh, you have to have two of them. Well, it is literally black. And, yeah, she's like, absorb the sun's energy... The sun is powering the anti-monitor, kind of an anti-sun, if you will. So you need to eat the sun. Eat the sun. Mm-hmm. And she does. Yeah, she do- She starts absorbing all the energy from the sun. Meanwhile, the- he being the anti-monitor kind of starts to notice that his power is being drained. And Alexander Luther kind of pokes another hole in the, in the dam of his power by 
taking on his anti-monitor, anti-matter form and absorbing the anti-monitor's anti-matter itself. So he's kind of getting a double whammy. He's not going to get his sun energy and he's not getting the anti-matter that he's made up of. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's going pretty well. The anti-monitor even starts yelling. I've told you time and time again, I cannot be destroyed. You will die. Then your world and your very very universe will follow you into oblivion. I will tolerate no further defeats. So then they have the sort of third prong of their plan, which is the negative negative woman. woman. Oh, that was, that was a good, that was a good same, Mm -hmm. same Mm time. Yeah. So what does she do? So she's radioactive and she wraps herself around the anti-monitor. Right. Which that cracks me up that the third part of the plan is, I don't know, you're radioactive, I guess. Just go around the anti-monitor. Yeah, she just kind of lasses around him. But it does seem to be doing some stuff because instead of his normal self, he's like all orange and hey. sort of molten looking. Yeah, I, molten or like, I, yeah, molten's probably better, but I thought he looked kind of rusty. <laughs> No, maybe. So they're like, wow, this time we did really good because we came in with the definitive plan of what we were going to do. Good job, guys. Instead of all just blasted him. I loved it. There's a few issues where some of them were all just punching his head. (laughs) Um, So then the rest of the heroes unleash their respective beam powers on the anti-monitor. And then Dr. Light uses the energy that she's absorbed from the black sun and shoots the anti-monitor and he seems to kind of disintegrate out of his armor with a large arg. Mm-hmm. He gets slammed to the ground and we get a fun little line from Psycho Pirate where he says, Ding dong, the Wicked Witch is dead. He's dead. He's really dead. That's just how the song goes. Good job, Psycho Pirate. <laughs> And Alexander Luther says that he can pry open a space between the positive and negative universes to slide the earth back through to the natural plane. But the portal can only be open for so long. Of course. So, you know, since the anti-monitor is dead and all and this comic is almost over, they just they're like, yeah, let's all zip through. We'll go after him and uh, we'll go with the earth. Mm hmm. So there he's pulling the earth through and the heroes are starting to go through but then they notice that something is happening to the shadow demons yes they are going toward the planetoid that they fought the anti-monitor on Mm -hmm. as you see a small glint in the eye hole of his armor yes and he comes on back Yep, so he absorbs the power of the shadow demons and is now a super strong person again. And he unleashed a huge blast of energy from his mouth that kills Wonder Woman. Yep. Like, and this is Earth, this is Earth One Wonder Woman. This is Prime Wonder Woman. Sure is. It's, it's something else. Just very sudden, no time to mourn. Well, we'll find out why, but. right. The Superman and Lady Quark are kind of remaining behind, it looks like. They are going to try to fight the Anti-Monitor as everybody else goes through the portal. It looks like Psycho Pirate and Flash are collapsed and Firestorm is kind of dragging them off. But Earth 2 Superman has some other plans. Mm-hmm. He punches uh, Superman and Lady Quark and he's like... Earth no. 1 Superman. Earth Yeah. So Cal capital L punches Cal L. Cal E-L. Cal E-L. Yeah. And Lady Quark and drags uh, them off with the help of Superboy, 
Superboy Prime. Superboy Prime mm-hmm. to the portal. Yes. He is going to fight the Anti-Monitor on his own. Well, he thinks on his own. Right. Now, he does have a little bit of an advantage in which the sorcerers apparently thought this of this possibility and kind of poisoned the well, if you will, mm-hmm. by adding their energy to the shadow demons. So him absorbing them has also absorbed the sort of poison magic they put in there and has further weakened the anti-monitor. Yeah. So as Superboy, Earth Prime Superboy, sees uh, Superman from Earth 2 beating up on the anti-monitor, he he decides that he can't leave him alone. Yeah, he's, he's like, well, my entire Earth is gone and there's nothing for me there, so I can at the very least help you know, help this Superman. Mm-hmm. So he chucks Lady Cork and Superman from Earth 1 through the portal and goes back to help Superman from Earth 2. Right. And uh, with them now is Alexander Luther, who couldn't go to the other side. He had to seal the... The portal has to be sealed from this side. <laughs> However, he seems a sort of... He feels a weird feeling, and his eyes start to kind of glow blue. And we'll get into that in a little bit. So now, the super the super folk, the super dudes, the Superman and boy, are just beating the crap out of the Anti-Monitor. They're, like, throwing asteroids at him Mm -hmm. and just smashing him. But he is still... He's a tough cookie, that Anti-Monitor. Yeah, so we... uh, And we get a flash to understand what is going on with Alexander Luther's eyes. We realize that what he is seeing is being seen by someone else, none other than Darkseid. Right. Yeah, (laughs) he just explains it by saying, my science permits me to gaze through his eyes since he is a portal between universes. Right. He's got some good science. Really good science. We've got, yeah, Superboy and Superman Earth 2 really just taking it to the anti- Yeah, just like whole pages of them throwing large rocks at them. They notice that he's weakening because he shoots them with blasts that like hit them full on and hurts them but does not- Obviously, it doesn't kill them like it happened with Wonder Woman. So he's weakening. Mm-hmm. And he gets, like, really molten, weird-looking here. Right. We even get a bit where they're like, we're not picking up a heartbeat from him. We must have killed him. Which, at this point, is becoming, like, a horrifyingly bad cliche. Of, we've beaten the Anti-Monitor. Oh, no, we haven't. We've beaten the Anti-Monitor. No, we haven't. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that drove me nuts about this crossover the first time I read it, like, all in one sitting. I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Can he just be dead already? Right. But yeah, he does become super, like, as molten as molten can be. And then he grabs Superman and Superboy and has him in, has them in his clutches. Yeah, he looks like he's finally going to take them out. But this is where Darkseid kind of executes his masterstroke. Mm-hmm. Alexander Luther sees all of this, and then Darkseid sends his power through Alexander Luther's eyes and it strikes the monitor, and it, as as it says, its effect is complete devastation. Yeah, it shoots him into a sun. Probably that same sun. Mm-hmm. Not that's theoretically binary, but there's only one of them. So as he goes into this star, he screams as his body drives deeper, ever deeper into the burning core. Well, here, okay. Now in the 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 art there are two stars, but I don't think you would call one star the binary star. I you know 
I think he makes some valid points. I I don't think I can play devil's advocate here. I appreciate that. Sometimes I just need I just need a lot of support in my in my comic book ravings. Uh huh. Um, I like this bit with the forgotten heroes that comes up next, where they're basically like, "Gee, thanks, Darkseid." And he's like, uh, "I'm still really evil." Okay, let's not get anything. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, this was only essential for all of our survival, so get out of here, and we're still enemies. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I used your boy as a, as a beam weapon conduit does not mean that we are suddenly going to go to happy hour together. <laughs> Where, um, oh, but the drinks are, you know, well for $3 and, you know. Oh. Yeah. Domestic, domestic beers are like 2 um, but Darkseid really isn't a happy hour person. Darkseid is more of like the, you come home from work and he's just crashing on your couch. Now, you might think this is a bit. This is a thing Darkseid does. <laughs> he just shows up on your couch. Uh, some of my favorite art ever is Darkseid chilling on couches. More than one time. <laughs> so we have Su- Earth 2 Superman and Earth Prime Superboy and Alexander Luther just chilling out on an asteroid in the Antimatter universe. Right. And they're like, any chance that we can open the portal? And Alexander Luther's like, no, not not to Earth. Uh, but... Well, and he doesn't get time to finish before we hear, Superman, Superman, I will not die until you die with me! And now it just kind of looks like a flaming head of the anti-monitor flying mm-hmm. back out of the sun. He's a living fireball, is what they call him. Right. And he gives them one last scrublam punch, which I feel like Superman we've had... Does. Superman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've not had enough of the comic book noises right. with punching so i very much appreciate its presence here yeah superman punches him to death he is he's gone now he's fallen back into the sun which is now imploding right which means that there's going to be like a big supernova and it will destroy and disintegrate everything that it touches for a million miles in all directions. Yeah. Which, guess what, includes them! Yeah, and they can't fly that fast. They kind of think about it, and they're like, no, there's no way. But then we have some really weird stuff from Alexander Luther. Yeah, we get Superman from Earth 2 saying, oh, I, you know, I only wish that Lois had lived to see that we succeeded. And he's like, Lois is in my tummy. <laughs> She's been with me always. (laughs) Right. His body is a portal to another kind of like paradise dimension where Lois Lane has been chilling out. Mm -hmm. It kind of seems to be implied that it's like heaven or the afterlife or something. Right. Without explicitly being religious at all. Yeah. And she walks out, you know, uh, Superman gives her a great big hug and she even says, I was inside him, Clark, in a place that was so beautiful. (laughs) And I'm sorry. I just really cringed at this. I was like, this is so weird. Like, I really pulled at my heartstrings the whole Superman Lois Lane from Earth 2 story and everything. And I was really happy they got a reunion. But gosh, this is weird it's real strange so then alexander luther becomes the portal and says i can't take you back to earth but i am a tuttle into that other place come into me we will all go there (laughs) it's just it's real weird and then they decide they all go even superboy prime who says i'm coming too better to go into the unknown than die alone here and then they say that there will wherever they go will be peace everlasting peace 
And that's not even true. There is a, there, <laughs> there's another crossover later where they, of course, come back because comic books kiss cannot let things just stop. Yeah. Can't let, can't let characters actually die. Right. Storylines end. So for the last seven issues of the comic, the anti-modern... Seven pages? Seven issues. We oop, Surprise! We, <laughs> we gotta cover seven more issues in six days. Seven pages, yes. Um, they're just kind of like some falling action, some resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, really getting into our narrative arc here. Yeah. Um, and we see that Wonder Woman... Though she was maybe destroyed, she was really just returned uh, to, like, she becomes a baby. Well, she becomes dirt. She becomes dirt, which... Because she was formed from clay. Right. Yep, which is then spread across Paradise Island, and then the the Amazons are allowed to return to the Grecian Isle they had fled, basically saying, we're starting Wonder Woman all over again. Right. Except for Earth One, or sorry, Earth Two Wonder Woman, who she and Steve Trevor get to go and chill out at Mount Olympus. Yep, just having a chill old time. And they they are going to live happily ever after, and thus kind of that's how they're kind of phasing them out of the story. Mm-hmm. And the deaths yep. that won't be forgotten. They find the bodies of. Well, Rob- they don't find the bodies. Oh, yeah, they don't even find the bodies of Robin, Huntress, and Cole. Mm-hmm. And Atlantis. In yeah, Atlantis. We lost Lori Lamaris and Tula. Tula mm-hmm. was Aqua Girl, who we lost to pollution a few issues ago. Right. We also see we see memorials to all the other characters that had died yeah, off. Yeah, Sunburst, Dove. Mm-hmm. Don Hall, Green Arrow. Yep. Um, it specifically seems like Superman and Power Girl are mourning Supergirl, even though it's not like explicitly. Right. Or maybe, maybe specifically, I guess they don't, maybe the Superman. Yeah, too. Superman as well. And then births, they're, they're talking about a wildcat mm-hmm. coming about. Dr. Light. Mm-hmm. And then we have Wally West kind of being examined here by uh by jay garrick who is the flash from well originally from earth 2 but now he's just golden age flash who Mm -hmm. he still gets to exist good for him and we discover that whatever was causing wally west to die a little bit more each time he used his super speed is now in remission because of when he was struck by the anti-monitor. During the anti-monitor that... gave him a healing paunch. Sure. <laughs> that seems like a logical thing. Thanks, anti-monitor. And Wally West decides that he wants the Flash to be remembered and that he doesn't need to be Kid Flash anymore. And he can graduate and be Big Boy Flash. He is now just the Flash. The Flash. And, uh, you know, some people say Wally West is actually the best Flash. Better than Barry Allen. You know, some sometimes it's good to have a new start. Yeah, the story the the stories of Wally West are in the '90s are very good. Mm-hmm. So good for you, Wally. We have a tail end of some uh, some some of Harbinger recording, you know, the universe and its history. Yeah, on the monitor tapes. A little little bit of the, you know, death brings life, brighter future. Yada yada yada. Right. It talks about how basically Commandy, that that boy from the future. He is no longer Commandy. He is now Thomas 
tomorrow of the Planeteers, which <laughs> it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonah Hex, who used to be, who is from the future now, or from the past rather, he was from like cowboy times from the Wild West, now fights in the future, in a future gone mad. Mm-hmm. And then it uh, it alludes to the split between the Guardians of the Universe that we saw in this comic between right. Minority Report Guardians and Due Process Guardians. Yeah, so basically she's like, you know, everything that's happened is having ramifications across time that will shake out over time. So we get kind of some big highlights, but apparently it's just supposed to be like, yeah, now anything can be happening in the future. Yeah. You might be done with this comic, but there are more comics coming. Mm-hmm. So Harbinger and, well, she's specifically Lila right now. Mm-hmm. And Lady Quark and Pariah decide that they're... Pariah is wearing like this... Is it just like a hood on a hoodie? Because it kind of looks like a, a like a babushka, like a little. Yeah, it does. But I think it's supposed to just be a hoodie. They're all wearing Arctic gear because they seem like they are in someplace cold. Right. But they decide that they are going to move forward and explore this new world together. Yeah, we get some lines that seem like they're specifically designed for the reader to like be like, okay, this is why we killed so many people. But she says, the monitor once told me that life must never stand still. It must constantly move ahead. We should never forget the past, but we should always look to the future because that's where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait to see what tomorrow will bring. Next month, please buy more comics. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So then we get... Oh, oh, sorry. The art on this last panel of like... The monitors, like, bust in pastel in the sky. I just don't really think of the monitor as, like, a savior or even, like, a force. He just, like, I feel like we're supposed to think of him as, like, this amazing force for good. But, like, one of the first times he's introduced, Lila calls him, like, a, like said that he, like, enslaved her. So I just, I was never really, like, particularly drawn to the Monitor as a good guy. When you exist in a world with Superman, you gotta try really hard. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get a little bit of epilogue. Right. Uh, We're in Arkham Asylum. Where we see Psycho Pirate. And we start with a super close-up on his eye that slowly zooms out uh, as he... And it zooms out, like, on him in a padded cell, and then out of his cell, and then into the hallway, and then the building, and then the city, and then the country, and then the world, as he's talking. About the, you know, he's the only one who remembers the infinite Earth, and he's not going to forget it, and, you know, you no, nothing's nothing's predictable anymore. Things These days, you just never know who's going to die and who's going to live. And then we get our final caption of not the end, the beginning of the future. So once again, a hammering home of, yeah, look at all this stuff that happened that's changed everything forever. And now, oh, the future is going to be so cool and new and definitely buy more comics. Yep. So do you think that Crisis on Infinite Earths did did what it was setting out to do? Try to make things a little less complicated? Well... I think that could really only be fully deduced by looking at the world of comics post-crisis. Not necessarily... I mean, what it did within the issue, it did seem to try to simplify... Or not the issue, but within the series, definitely tried to simplify things. It did what it meant, you know, killed off some people. So streamed like all, streamlined a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. But did it make comics better? 
Oh, I, I would I'm not not trying to ascertain if it made comics better. I think they just wanted to make them less confusing. Well, it in and of itself had a lot of confusingness, but maybe from this point on, I don't know. I feel like you would have had to be around then and reading all the issues that came out afterwards. Were they more understandable, more well, palatable? They took place on the same planet, I guess, on the same timeline until but they. I just until know they don't. <laughs> until they don't. That's what I'm saying. Like in the world that we in the. The world of DC that we know now, like, there are... There are 52 right. universes. So it's like they whittled things down only to bring it all back, kind of, in a new way. Yeah. Well, it's it's the, it's kind of the classic thing with comics, right? So I am I am a boy. Uh, at, some, you know, at some point I was a boy and I read comic books. And mm-hmm. those were the comics I really liked. And then I grow up and I decide I'm going to write comic books. What comic books do I write? The ones I liked when I was a kid. So you get these weird cycles. Mm-hmm. And so it, I guess at some point the people who grew up and loved the multiverses were like, oh, but that stuff was great. Right. And they decided to bring it back. To be honest, I love multiverses. So um, I, I think it's kind of cool that you can have... Because <laughs> the multiverse allows you to have different takes on all these different characters and different storylines that couldn't exist within one world. But right. now, if there's a if there's a multiverse, they can. So they generally don't dip into them too much these days now, other than just the fact that they exist. Mm-hmm. Most of the action kind of takes place on uh, the Prime Earth, or uh, I don't think it's called New Earth. I think it's called Prime Earth these days, which I think is Earth Zero. DC. DC <laughs> the DC Wiki is ridiculous because you click on like Wonder Woman, and it's like Wonder Woman, Prime Earth, New Earth. Oh, I know. Pre-crisis, you're like, oh. It, when, I, when I was looking up characters and things that I didn't didn't know, the ones that were easiest to look up were the ones that died and never reappeared after Crisis. Yeah, because the rest of them, it's like, is this the Prime Earth? Is this the New Earth? I understand how it is somewhat intimidating to get into comics these days. Well, I feel like maybe going into it ignorant is better. Oh, because you don't, don't change. You don't know what you don't know, and you just... If you read each issue to enjoy it, then... That's true. Anybody here who has not read a comic book, first of all, I'm shocked you're listening. <laughs> but the best thing you can do is literally just pick one up and read it. Right. It's And you may have some some questions, but most of the comics that I've read, and when I started to get into comics, I didn't feel like there was like a prohibitive amount of... Uh, prior knowledge that I needed to be able to get into the comic. Right. Like, everybody looks for jumping on points. Like, it's very important to, oh, this is a great jumping on point. But, like, for... Writers do a good job. (laughs) They do. They generally introduce you to things. For 20 years, the issues just went, you know, 1, 2, X... And if you jumped in, you were generally fine. You I, get you get little little summaries at the beginning. Yeah, and, and now it's even easier because you have the internet. When I was mm-hmm. a kid, it was so hard to figure out where to go with comic books. See, I feel like the the comics that I've read that felt like they had a prohibitive amount of prior knowledge required have been these crossovers so far. <laughs> no, that's probably true. And part of that's because you know it's from a different time period but and it's jam-packed with characters but yeah and not every crossover is quite that way but yeah in general they it's hard to just jump into a crossover but that's why you have us readers yep (laughs) all right well you want to go into our final accolades of crisis on infinite earths final accolades 
All right. So, what is your best line? My best line is by uh, Superman of Earth 2, who is addressing the Anti-Monitor whenever he feels like he is the last one left. Mm -hmm. He says to the Anti-Monitor in response to the Anti-Monitor saying, like, oh, like, you're left behind. Ugly, you may be right, but somebody had to pick up the garbage. (laughs) Yeah, Superman. (laughs) I like that. It's a a great little little taunt and little line to have in battle. Great little one-liner. I kind of love that Superman of Earth 2 has has seen nobody beat this guy, and it's just like, no, I can do it, though. (laughs) Oh. Well, my best line uh, comes from Dead Man when they open the portal to Cord, and he says, Not bad, kid. You broke through, but don't start pouring the champagne yet. Things ain't over till the fat lady sings, and I ain't never seen an opera yet that ended happier than it began. <laughs> Takes that metaphor, like, super far. <laughs> And we, <laughs> wish we like took it even further. Like we're all like wearing fancy dress, and <laughs> it is a good line, though. I thought, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, Dead Man is kind of a fun character for for lines. He's a very good monologuer. Yeah, it makes me want to read more with him. The, I don't think there's honestly a whole heck of a lot, so you, you it probably wouldn't be. I could terrible. I could do a comprehensive study of Dead Man. Yeah, a sub podcast. <laughs> the dead cast. Oh. All right, moving on to our greatest hero. Or in this case, I think greatest heroes. Oh, plural. I just Were had, you able to whittle it down to one? I whittled it down to just Superman from Earth 2. Yeah, he did really give that final blow. It is hard for me to ever call Superboy Prime a greatest hero, and I I can't explain why cuz it'll it'll ruin later episodes (laughs) well i gave it to the trio of them that stayed behind Mm -hmm. alexander luther because really i mean i could have just given it to alexander luther because he did so much good stuff yeah like super important and necessary in this issue he kept lois lane in his glowing tummy (laughs) he gave them the portal to get to the anti-monitor he was the conduit for dark side mm-hmm you could maybe even argue that Darkseid is one of the greatest heroes in this comic. I mean, I think you could argue that he is. Mm-hmm. No, just is. <laughs> oh. So that whole trio, I think, did really good. You know, to me, I think you really see how much of like a martyr complex I have mm-hmm. by the fact that I think the greatest heroes are the ones who sacrifice the most. Yeah. It's like a recurring theme. Who who lost who suffered the most this issue? Because they're probably the greatest hero. We are we are very Roman Catholic sometimes. <laughs> All um, right. So, what is your coolest moment? Coolest moment was uh, Superman's final punch. Oh, look what I wrote down. Yeah, the final punch, Daily (laughs) Daily Double. Double. Yeah, it was just super rad. It was kind of like a let's finally get this get this trash off my lawn sort of thing. Right. (laughs) Just punches the fireball into oblivion. It Mm -hmm. was so cool. It like took up half the page. It was sweet. Yeah. Um, so do you have a silly villainy? Oh, absolutely. What's your silly villainy? So my silly villainy has to go to dark side because I don't know if this is typical of Darkseid, but nearly every single one of his lines has a word in quotation marks. Uh, 
That's a, I feel like that's a real, that's kind of a Jack Kirby thing. You her humans were quote unquote right to come to me. Oh, that's your, a weird one. Yeah. Your Alex Luther is a quote unquote conduit between universes. <laughs> like, and it does this nearly every panel he's in. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I imagine Darkseid is Dr. Evil. You were right to come to me. Alexander Luther is a conduit. <laughs> Uh, what's great is later in DC continuity, there's a baby dark side who could be like a little mini me. Oh, <laughs> uh, I need to show you baby dark side. They use him as a weapon. Well, of course. I mean, dark side is, is, is. <laughs> so who's your silly villainy? My silly villainy also goes to dark side, but just for a slightly different reason. Okay. I just love that. He just kind of used Alexander Luther as a TV, which made me think like, I, I know he could do it because it was like the, the, the portal between the universes. But dude, Darkseid, can can he use just other people as TVs? Right. Is he just like, I want to watch the Deborah channel. And it's just like <laughs> her at work. It's like kind of typing, getting coffee. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, dishing on gossiping with Deborah. <laughs> Deborah, your human life fascinates me. <laughs> Does he like go into cats and then just is like this this bores dark side? Why am I staring at a wall? Why am I licking my butt? <laughs> I just it's it's like dark side's like my science allows me to use people as TVs. Okay. All right, dark side. That's you know whatever you put your R and D budget into. Oh. oh. Christy, we made it all the way through crisis. All the way through crisis. And you didn't even go into labor in the middle of the podcast like I very much feared you would. I was a little bit worried about it, too. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Well, readers, it's probably going to be a little bit before we have a really typical episode for you guys. We'll let you know ahead of time. We won't just spring it on you. Uh, yes, when we come out with a new one. Right. Right. We're definitely not springing on you that this is... Uh... This is the last one for a bit. We've been talking about that for, for several episodes. Right. So. Um, so we don't, and we haven't really decided what uh, we're going to do next. So we will let you know. We might even publish like a little, little short, like two or three minute mini episode announcing it. In the meantime, though, I'm going to attempt to do my mini podcast where I explain or at least summarize comics in 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to be a derivative of Chris's on infinite earths that we are going to call Chris time capers, which is a play on cross time capers, which is an Excalibur story. I, if you guys have any, any comics you'd want me to cover on there, I kind of have some ideas about what I want to do, but you know, I, I almost kind of wanted to kind of want you guys to try to stump me. Like, what's a comic that you absolutely positively cannot summarize in 60 seconds. Now, keep in mind, I'm, I'm talking like normal length comics, not like. 40 page super issues or like graphic novels, like normal length comics. Yeah, I've got some ideas for it too. Um, I think it'd be cool if in maybe Christy could do one or two of them, but we shall see. Yeah, we'll see. They're going to be really short, like sub 10 minutes. <laughs> but yeah, if you have any ideas or feedback that you want to send our way, you can email us at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. You can tweet at us or find us on Facebook. We are at Chris's Pod on both platforms. Yeah, we also appreciate if you like and subscribe 
to us on all of your podcast stuff. And also uh, leave us some good, good five-star reviews, because the more five-star reviews we get, the more people can find us. Mm-hmm. And we will uh, shout you out on the show for yeah. those reviews. That is definitely true. We will shout you out and sing your praises, and we'll love you forever. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess this has been Crisis on Infinite Earths. And until next time... Slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours. Mm-hmm.